Okay, Masichet Sukkah, Daf 27, a really fascinating Daf because we're going to be speaking about the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. This is Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkenus, uh, the same person as the Oven of Achnai story, uh, who always only told traditions that he heard from his masters. And so he's really um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the memory of, old, of the old halachot, uh, the, way they, the, the way that they used to be. Um, and so in this sugya, we're going to see his shita is that uh, the sukkah should be like your house. He takes this extremely literally, and therefore it's going to affect four different halachot. Number one, he's going to say that you have to have 14 meals in the sukkah uh, over sukkah, two meals a day, just like you eat two meals a day in your home. He's also going to say that you have to um, sleep and stay in the same single sukkah all seven days, just like you own one home and you stay in, you, you live in your one home all the time. It also is going to uh, rule that you have to own your sukkah, um, just like you own your house, and but very beautifully, that you have to stay with your family every single day and you can't go away and leave your family, um, just like when, just like you live with your family. Uh, so really, it really is, is very interesting. Uh, the halakha is not like him, but nevertheless, he encodes uh, a lot of um, uh, meaning of what the sukkah is all about, and we'll see some stories about it as well. So we begin with the Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Arba Esre Seudot Chayav Adam Lechol Basukah, Achat Bayom, Beachat Balayla. So he says you have to have 24 meals in the sukkah um, each day and night. Chachamim Omerim, En Nadabar Kisah, Chusmelele, Yom Tov Rishon, Shel Hag Bilbad. Whereas Chachamim disagree and they say, no, there's no, there, there's no amount. You can eat uh, as much, as many or as few uh, meals in the sukkah as you want, except for the first night of the holiday. That night, one must eat in the sukkah. It's that, that's an absolute requirement. The rest of the holiday, if you eat bread and have a meal, then yes, he agrees, you have to eat in the sukkah. However, um, if you want to just eat, a, eat snacks and just a fruit, uh, you don't have to have a meal eaten every day, only the first night. We'll see the reason for Shachamim. And the second halakha in the Mishnah is Abelian says if you missed the first night uh, eating in the sukkah, this is interesting because he just said that you have to eat 14 meals. Well, it didn't look like there was anything special about Abelian and the first night. And yet here he's talking about if you miss the first night. Okay, the Gemara is going to ask about this. Anyway, if you do miss the first night for whatever reason, uh, you can make it up on the end of the holiday. This is talking about Shemini Aseret, which is really interesting because Shemini Aseret technically is a separate holiday and we don't even sit in the Sukkah. Um, and yet uh, you can uh, delay it till then and make it up then. Um, presumably, you can make it up beforehand also uh, by adding an extra meal. The Gemara will discuss exactly how you make it up when you're already having another meal in, uh, anyway for the holiday. Um, so that's the Bailey as this is yes, you can make it up. Achamim say, no, you cannot make it up. And regarding this, uh, you lost your opportunity. So the Pasuk in Kohelet. Uh, says, me'ovat, this is something that's crooked and cannot be made straight, something that's wanting, that's lacking, and can no longer be counted. So therefore, you missed your opportunity and you can't do it anymore. 
uh, interesting because we do read Kohelet on uh, is associated with Sukkot. Um, uh, this is one interesting thing, but also because, you know, I, I'm sure you can make Teshuvah, but the point is that you can never make up that meal. Uh, it's gone. Okay, so that's a, a second machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and Chachamim. Just give me a second. I'm going to get the microphone. Yeah. Okay. So that we can uh, get the sound better. Okay. This Mishnah is very interesting because if we compare it to another Mishnah, this Mishnah in Chagiga that is really instructive here. Um, the Mishnah in Chagiga is talking about yeah, which we the Korban Chagiga, which we have bring for every holiday. And here it says someone who didn't bring the Korban Chagiga on Yom Tov Rishon Shel Chag. On the first day, and this is talking about any all shalosh regalim, you're supposed to bring korban chag on the first day. If you didn't get a chance, you weren't able to. Then you can do it for chogeget kol haregel v'yom tov acharon shel chag. You can do it on any day of the holiday, including the last day. However, if the holiday completely finished and you didn't bring the korban chagiga, then that's it. You can't you can't make it up. And regarding this, it says the same pasuk meovat lo yuchalitkon chesron lo yuchal lehimanot. So this is really interesting that you have the same structure and parallel words and the same pasuk that are quoted in these two different masechtot, in Sukkah and Chagiga. Um, if you notice in, in Sukkah, it's actually a machloket. The Bialya says, you can make it up. And then Chachamim come in and say, no, you can't make it up and quote the pasuk. Mishnah and Chagiga doesn't have a machloket, but still has the same structure. If it's still on the holiday, yes, you can make it up. If the holiday passed, you can't make it up and quotes the pasuk. Uh, what's the meaning behind this? I think the meaning is that the Mishnah is encoding an idea that eating a meal in the sukkah is like bringing a korban chagiga, um, which makes a lot of sense because we saw earlier that the symbolism of the sukkah itself is compared with the mishkan um, and the, the top, the sechach, is compared to the, the, uh, the aron and the, t- the top of the aron, the place of the kiruvim. So there's a tremendous amount of mishkan and betamikdash symbolism in the in the sukkah, so therefore it makes sense that the meal that we uh, eat in the sukkah is like a korban that we offer in the mishkan. So this is very beautiful. The mishnah is so subtle because it doesn't say this explicitly. Um, It just says that you have to know that there's the same language here and there and connect the two, and then you can bring bring about this uh, this idea. Uh, So this is just a very beautiful mishnah, um, set of mishnayot. I want to share with you a Talmud Yerushalmi on this uh, because it uh, emphasized the point even more. Uh, the Yerushalmi says, what's the reason for the Be'eli Ezer um, that you have to have 14 meals in the sukkah? Uh, because it says here, Teshevu, you have to sit in the sukkah. And regarding the Mishkan, when it was inaugurated, um, the Aharon had to stay in the sukkah the all seven days of the inauguration, even till the eighth day. And it says, stay there day and night. And so therefore, just like regarding the Mishkan, I don't have to stay there day and night. So too in the Sukkah, you have to eat a meal there day and night. Uh, so this is, not, uh, this is uh, brought in the Yerushalmi and you see that the Yerushalmi is connecting further the Sukkah with the Mishkan, right? Both are the same uh, idea of holiness, of the Shekhinah there, and therefore the meals that we share are, uh, are, are, are signified as, as uh, Korbanot. Okay, so that was uh, just a really amazing point. And that's all the Mishnah. And now we jump right into the Talmud. My Tameh, did it be Eliezer? 
So the, the Bavli is going to give a different answer than I just quoted from the Yerushalmi. And it's going to say, Teshevu ke'ain taduru. Since the Pasuk says, Basukot teshevu shivat yamim. Teshevu means you're going to dwell there. You dwell there the same way you reside in your home. Madira achat bayom v'achat balayla. Afsuka achat bayom v'achat balayla. Just like in your home. You dwell in your home day and night. And usually you have a meal in the day and the night in your kitchen, in your dining room. So too, you should treat the sukkah the same way, just like you would treat your permanent dwelling. Okay, good. So Rabbi Eli has, has a good source. Now we're going to ask, Banan, Kedira, Madira, Ibae Achil, Ibae La Achil, Afsuka Name, Ibae Achil, Ibae La Achil. Rabbanan will say, we, I agree with that pasuk, that you should treat the sukkah like your home. But in your home, sometimes if you want to eat a meal, you do. If you don't want to eat a meal, then you don't. Sometimes you skip a meal. Sometimes you eat out. It's optional. So therefore, yes, I agree. You should treat your sukkah like a uh, like the like your home, and therefore it should be optional in both uh, cases. Okay, so that's interesting. Wait a second, Rabbanan. If so, then even the first night you should say is optional because all meals in your home are basically optional. So Rabbanan, why do you require uh, someone to have a meal in the sukkah on the first night? Uh, answer, Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon, Ben Yehosadak, Ne'emar Kan Hamisha Asad, Ve'ne'emar Hamisha Asad Bechag Masot. So he's going to bring an analogy of these two words. They're also in the same paragraph in Vayikra, in Parashat Emor. And it says, Chamisha Asad, Yom Lachodosh is Chag Sukkot. So on the 15th day um, of Tishrei. And also says, Chamisha Asad Lachodosh Hazeh, Chag Masot. And the 15th of Nisan is, is uh, Pesach. So we're paralleling the two, not just the words, but also the idea of each holiday. Just like on Pesach, the first night, that's the Seder. You have to have the meal with the Korban Pesach, with Masot and Nerorim. And so it's, that's an obligation. The rest of the time on Pesach, if you don't feel like eating, you don't have to have Masa. And so too, on Sukkot, it must be the same thing. The first night is obligatory. Um, and how do you know that Pesach you have to eat in the first, on the first night? At night, you have to have Masot, so that you're required to have the bread, um, the, the bread on, on, uh, of Masa, and uh, therefore it's a requirement to, to, uh, to have that meal. So this is a good um, conceptual analogy between the two holidays. All right, good. So that was the first halacha of um, uh, of eating 14 meals. Then we continue. He said also, if you missed out on the first night, then you can make it up on the last night. What does it mean that says, if you missed the first night, then you can make it up on the, on the last night. What about missing all the other 14, uh, 13 meals? Right from the, his language, it says if you miss the first night, it sounds like it really is. It agrees that the first night is special, and if you miss it, you have to make it up, unlike the other nights. So here's a, an answer, surprising answer. Amar Bera, Amar Rabbi Ameh, Hazar Bor changed his mind from the first uh, clause of the Mishnah to the second clause. He changed his mind already, and uh, or he started off saying yes, fourteen meals, but then he said no, no, I agree, one meal. 
and he adds a, uh, regarding that one meal, if you miss it, you can make it up. And Chamim say, no, you can't make it up. Okay, it looks like this answer is not agreed upon by everybody, because in the continuation, we're going to see that they're not assuming that this is true. Um, all right, now, next question. Mashlim bemai ilema bedifta seuda diome ka achil. How are you going to make it up? Are you going to make it up by eating bread on the, on, on the last day on Shemini Aseret? But you're already eating bread because you have to have a meal for Shemini Aseret itself or for any other day that you want, might want to make it up. So how could you possibly make it up if you anyway, in any case, you'll be eating another holiday meal? So the answer is that you add some extra dessert, some extra food. And you say, I'm gonna, I ate my meal for Shemini Aseret. I'm going to add some extra, and this will be a makeup for the first night that I missed. Tanya supports this answer uh, because it says, uh, if you did um, compensate with adding some uh, desserts to your meal, then it's okay. All right, so that's the answer. And now we have a couple of, uh, uh, we have a story. Shal apotropos shel agripas hamelech Et Apotropos is a good Greek word. It means a steward, someone that's appointed to take care of a province or an estate. Often it's used to, for an orphan. Um, they, we, they'll be a, coin, a court appointed apotropos to take care of the um, finances of the orphan until he grows up. In this case, we're talking about the apotropos of Agrippas. Uh, Agrippas was uh, the, uh, the king of Judea. Um, uh, and during the time of the, the late of second Beta Mikdash, and there was Agrippas the first, and there was his son Agrippas the second, who was in charge of the Galilee. And this uh, seems to be talking about Agrippas the second. He was not popular, this Agrippas the second, and so it seems that he appointed a steward to take care of affair, government, gov government affairs in the Galilee, so he wouldn't have to deal with the problems directly. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, the Apotropos of Agrippas, King Agrippas II, and he asked the question of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, our, our sage. This is actually after the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed already. Kegon ani, she'eni ragil le'echol ela seuda achat bayom, ma'u she'ochal seuda achat ve'epater. So this Apotropos, this uh, um, steward says, me, for example, I only eat one meal a day, usually. So what about me? Can I, is enough for me on Sukkot to eat one meal in the Sukkah? And that's it, because it, all year round, I don't have two meals, in the, uh, two meals in the, uh, during the day, only one meal. So you see that this question is assuming that Rabbi Eliezer does not change his mind. Or maybe he asked before Rabbi Eliezer changed his mind. And so, so according to you, Rabbi Eliezer, who says that just like you have two meals a day in your house, have two meals a day in Sukkah, I never have two meals a day. I only have one. So should I treat it the same, right? Is it a subjective standard or an object, objective standard? Is what everybody does. So the Beliaz gives a witty answer. He says, every single day, you you pull. It sounds like you, you take. See, he's the apotropos who's, who's supposed to be take care of the estate. And sometimes, you know, he could be a little bit corrupt and take a little for himself. And so he says, every day you take, uh, you take some desserts, some appetizers for yourself. 
And you're actually eating all day. You have one main meal, but you're eating a lot of other things during the day. So too, can you do that, right? You do that for yourself uh, to make yourself happy. So on Sukkot, can't you eat a little more and make and make uh, your your creator happy? So basically saying, yes, you have to have two meals a day. But while he's answering the halachic question, he's also giving him a little dig that, uh, you know, he makes it like, oh, I only have one meal from my, I don't take anything from my, from my, uh, from Agrippas, um, but really he's always snacking and taking things uh, for himself. Okay, so that's question number one. Then, uh, I don't know, if I was that steward, I wouldn't ask any more questions after I got insulted like that. But he continues and asks another question. For example, me, I have two wives and that live in different cities. They're both in the, in the north. See, he, he lived in the, in, in the Galilee. Uh, one in Tiberias and uh, one in, 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 in Sepphoris. And so I have two Sukkot, I have two homes. And so therefore I have two Sukkot. Can I go from one Sukkah and then go to another one and exempt myself from the obligation? In other words, do I have to have be in one Sukkah for the entire holiday, or can I be in two different Sukkahs? The Bible says, no, you are not allowed to. You have to stay in the same Sukkah, because anyone who leaves one Sukkah and goes to another, he canceled out his first one. I Meaning you have to live like, like you reside in one home, so too, most people have one home. So too, you have to have one home. And even though you are uh, weird, you are different than that you have two homes and two wives and two families, um, uh, with this, uh, the halakha does not follow a strange person like you. Um, okay, I think this uh, sounds like, uh, you know, another a bit of an insult to this apotropos. Uh, uh, I mean, he was so he was so meager, me, meager in what he takes that he only had one meal a day, and yet he sustains two families. So, um, okay, we're saying something about this uh, this guy. Tanya de bi eli ezed omed en yosin misuka le suka ve'en yosin suka be'holoshel moed. And so now is the source for the halacha that we just mentioned, that you cannot leave one sukkah and go to another sukkah. Not the entire holiday, you have to only use one, the same sukkah, amazing thing. Just like you only, you only own one home. And also you can't build a sukkah in the middle on Chola Moed, which makes sense because it's not a problem of building uh, that, that's melacha. It's a problem that you, you have to stay in one sukkah. And therefore, if you make a sukkah in the middle, then it's not the sukkah you started with. So it's not kosher. The sages disagree and they say it's no problem. You can, you can go sukkah hopping like a lot of young people like to do at night and you know, go sing songs and eat meals and snacks and uh, lots of different sukkah, sukkot. Um, and yes, you can build one on Cholom right? If you, uh, you go somewhere and, uh, you, you know, and you move and you decide you want to uh, stay there. So yeah, you build a sukkah wherever you are, even on Cholom However, both the Beliers and Chachamim agree that if your sukkah fell down, a wind came, then you can rebuild it, right? That, of course, because you're rebuilding the same sukkah, you're just fixing the one that you are already staying in. Um, so everyone agrees with that. Now, my Tama did it be Eliezer. What is it be Eliezer's source? Why does he think that you have to stay in the same one sukkah the whole time? 
המלכרה, חג הסוכות תעשה לך שבעת ימים, עשה סוכה ראויה לשבעה. Because the פסוק says, חג הסוכות תעשה לך, you have to make a סוכה, the פשוט בפסוק is you should make the holiday, but we're, we're interpreting as you should make a סוכה, שבעת ימים, make a סוכה that is worthy of staying in for all seven days, and stay in it for seven days, right? He's really, he's really taking it even a step further. Rabbanan say, no, it means the, actually the opposite, that you can make a sukkah shivat yamim, any of the seven days. Anytime you want, you can build a sukkah, right? You go somewhere else and there's no sukkah there, so you build it there. So interesting, though, from the same words, they're actually deriving two opposite laws. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer says it means that you have to make only one sukkah at the beginning and not in the middle. And Rabbanan says, Rabbanan says you can make a sukkah anytime in the middle, both from the same pasuk. That we're just quoting the Baraita that we just said to ask a question on it. And we ask, of course, of course you could rebuild the sukkah that fell down. Why would you think not? Because you might think that the sukkah that you rebuild is like a new one. And uh, therefore, you didn't sit in the same one for seven days, even though it's in the same spot and using the same poles. But the first one, let's say, totally fell down and there was nothing. And now you're building it. So you might have thought it's like a new sukkah. No, therefore, it comes to teach us that even a Beelazer would agree that when you're building it right there on the same spot, uh, you're just rebuilding the old sukkah. It's a continuation of the original sukkah. And it's considered that you're sitting there all seven days. Okay, good. Tanya, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Keshem she'en adam yoseh chobato b'yom tov harishon, shel chag bedu lavo shel chavero, tichtiv ul kachtem lachem b'yom harishon peri es hadar kapot temarim, mi shelachem, kach en adam yoseh yedeh chobato b'sukato shel chavero, tichtiv chag osukot haseh lecha, shivat yamim, mi shelecha. Fascinating derivation. Rabbi Eliezer, we're continuing. I'll, I'll just go to the structure so we see where we are. He said you have to have all 14 meals. You have to sit in the same sukkah, all seven, right? Because just like your house. And now he's adding that you have to own your sukkah. He derives it from a comparison with lulav, which we're, we're going to see in a later pedic, that just like um, you cannot fulfill your mitzvah of lulav on the first day, right? Taking lulav as deoraita only on the first day, and so on. And so you have to own it yourself and you can't borrow someone else's. What we do today, if you don't have one, is he can give it to you as a present um, so that you own it. You have to own it while you are, while, while you are shaking it and then you can give it back to him. Um, so you have to own it. Take for yourself on the first day, um, meaning of yours. And so too, we make a derivation just like lulav, so too sukkah has to be yours, as it says, make a sukkah taseh lecha shivat yamim has to be yours. Just like your home, you own your home, so too you have to own your sukkah. That's Rabbi Eliezer. Now, Chachamim Omerim, Afapishameru en Adam Yosei Dechovato Biyom Tovrishon Bedulavo Shel Chavero. Chachamim says, I agree with you regarding lulav and trog that you have to own. And because that, that's uh, straight, just right from the Pasuk. 
אבל היוסי ידי חובתו בסוכה של חברו, but I disagree with, regarding סוכה, סוכה, you can go to your friend's house, your friend's סוכה, they invite you over, it's very nice, everybody invites each other over and you, and you eat in many different סוכהס, he says that's perfectly fine, as you know, דכתיב, כל אזרח בישראל ישבו בסוכות, because another פסוק says all of Israel, all the residents, of, uh, 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 residents citizens of Israel, will sit in Sukkot. Now, the, and if you look in the Torah, the word Sukkot is spelled chaser, without a vav, like Sukkot. So uh, literally means all of Israel will sleep in one Sukkah. Now, how could all, all of Israel sleep in one Sukkah? And they can't own one, one Sukkah. I mean, each, each part would be less than a peruta, which is not considered ownership. So, and yet, since the Pasuk says, theoretically, everybody could sit in one sukkah, even though they don't own it. So that teaches that everybody, in fact, you don't have to own your sukkah. You can use the sukkah of uh, someone else. So that's a chachamim counter to be Eliezer. And now we're going to go back how, um, and, uh, and ask on Rabbanan. Rabbanan, hai lecha, my darshibe. It does say, in any case, chaga sukkot lecha. That has to be your sukkah. What are you going to do with that pasuk? Oh, lecha just means that it can't be stolen, right? They would agree. If you go and down the block and you steal someone's sukkah and put it on your property and, right, um, and then make believe it's yours, you don't fulfill your mitzvah. Okay, so you don't, you don't have to own it, but you also can't steal it, right? You can borrow it. That's okay. So, um, but if it's um, borrowed, that's okay. If it's with permission, so you can borrow some sukkah, but you can't steal it. In any case, you don't have to own it. Uh, according to the Be'eliezer, what does he do with that pasuk of kol which sounds like all citizens are going to sleep in the same sukkah? So he says, no, I use that for something completely different. What happened if someone converts in the middle of the holiday or someone becomes bar mitzvah in the middle of the holiday? His birthday, his 13th birthday is in the middle of Chol HaMoed. So now you might, the problem is that according to the Be'eliezer, you have to sit in the same sukkah all seven days. And he was not chayav in the sukkah on the, in, the, in the first half of the holiday. And so this teaches that kol ha'ezrach, anyone who becomes a citizen, who becomes chayav misvat, even if it's in the middle of the day, they can start whenever they become a ged or become bar misvah, and they can sit in the sukkah, even though they didn't fulfill the misvah on the first half of the holiday. So that's what Rabbi Eliezer learns from kol ha'ezrach. Back to Rabbanan, Rabbanan, kevan shamru, asin sukkah, Rabbanan don't need a pasuk for that because they agree that you can build a sukkah from scratch on Cholomoed and decide to sit in it. They don't think that you have to sit in the same sukkah all seven days. And therefore, if someone converts or becomes bar mitzvah in the middle of the holiday, no problem. Just start, you know, build a sukkah and start, start whenever you, um, your, the, the, your obligation begins. All right, good. And now we're all accounted for. We know how each side um, uh, explains each of the Pesukim. 
Okay, now we get to a couple of interesting stories. Tenora banan. So, Eli is probably short for Eliezer. So, his name was also Eliezer, um, but uh, for, as a nickname, they call him Eli. And he's a student of Rabbi Eliezer Ben Hurkanus, our, our Rabbi Eliezer, the hero of the Sugat today. Um, Rabbi Eliezer lived in, in Lod, where the airport is today, it's a very old city. And uh, so he went to visit him on the holiday because it's nice. It's misvat to go visit your, your rabbi on the holiday. Amaru law, amaru law, Eli, enecha mishobete haregel. So to be Eli, he thinks he's doing a great deed, and the, you know his teacher will be so happy to see him. Instead, Eliezer was very tough, and he says uh, to his student, "You are not one who you are not the, those who rest on the holiday." In other words, you're not properly celebrating and resting on the holiday, the fact that you came here to see me. Why? used to say, I praise the lazy people that don't leave their house at all during the holiday because by staying in their home, they are happy, you and your betecha, and your wife, and your household, your family. So you're supposed to stay at home with your family and not leave them for the holiday. So if someone's doing it out of laziness, um, then maybe that's not the best reason, but sometimes even laziness comes in handy. Uh, so it's good to be lazy on the holiday, relax, stay home with your family, and therefore that's the proper way to rest. And now you left your family and came to visit me you are not proper, properly celebrating and resting on the holiday. Um, all right, so uh, not the warmest welcome, but important halacha that the student learned. Now we have a question. We have a contradiction because Rabbi Yitzchak says that how do you know that there's an obligation, there's a mitzvah to go and visit your rabbi on the holiday? Well, we learn it from the story of Elisha. Um, Elisha um, uh, visited this uh, Shunammite, Shunammite woman. She couldn't have children, and he blessed her, and she had a child. But then the child died, and she was all uh, uh, upset and in a panic. And she said, I have to go and see the, see the prophet and ask him what's going on. So get my donkey ready so I can go, go to the prophet. She tells that to her husband. Her husband, who doesn't know the whole background of the story, says... Why are you going today to see the Navi? It's not Chodesh and it's not Shabbat. It's not Rosh Chodesh. It's not Shabbat. What's so special today that all of a sudden you have to go and visit him? Now, what did we learn from his question? That it would be normal and proper to go and visit the Navi if it was Rosh Chodesh or Shabbat or a holiday. It doesn't say holiday here, but we're, we're going to derive that in a second. And so what we see from here is that it's, it is a mitzvah usually to go. Now, she was going for another reason because she had an emergency. Her baby died and she had to call Elisha, but he didn't know that. And so we learned something just from his question. And we learn from here that, yes, you have to go and visit your rabbi. This is a wonderful halacha, and we do this still today. Every, uh, every holiday, we go and then visit Rabbi Shama in his home, and I'm um, sure many communities uh, do that. It's a very beautiful thing to do. Anyway, we have a question here because on the one hand, it'll be as I said, stay home with your family and be lazy and relax. That's the, that's the, don't come and visit me. And yet here we see it is a mitzvah to go visit the rabbi. So how can we resolve these two sources? 
One's talking about when you can go and come back on the same day. Um, then, yes, you should go. Uh, you should be with your family during most of the day and eat with them. But in the middle of the afternoon, you, uh, you can make it to your rabbi's house and come back in time for dinner. Then, certainly, it is a mitzvah and you should go. But if your rabbi lives too far away and you're going to have to go and stay overnight, then you should not do that. Um, which is, uh, reminds me of people who go away to other countries without their families, just on, on their own for Rosh Hashanah. Um, well, Rosh Hashanah is not one of the Galim, so I, but it seems like it would still apply. It's a Yom Tov. And so, um, right, really, it's proper to be with your family on Yom Tov. Um, good. Now, next uh, story. Okay, now we have a story that's flipped. Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Hurkenos, our hero, he went and spent the night in the Galilee, the upper Galilee, in the Sukkah of Yohanan, the son of Rabbi Eli. So Rabbi Eli we had before, this is some years later. So Rabbi Eliezer goes to visit his student's son and stays there overnight. Where did he live? Either in Kesari or Kesarion. Um, this uh, edition of Talmud is very good because it tells us exactly where these are. Kesari is Kesaria. And my brother lives there now. Uh, you can go there, right? That's a famous city. This was the seat of the Roman government when they ruled over um, what they called Palestine. Um, but there was another city called Kesarion, which is up further north, also known as Banyas. And so to distinguish Kesaria, this is called Kesarion. Uh, so anyway, Rabbi Eliezer went to visit um, Rabbi Ochanan in one of these two cities. It seems that they sound very similar, so they get mixed up. Anyway, what's the story? Um, by the way, how could he go visit his student on the holiday? He just said that you know, shouldn't stay overnight. Okay, we're going to ask that question in a second. Um, but here's the story. And then the sun arose and was very hot and was, was beating into the sukkah. So the student, Rabbi Yochanan, asks Rabbi Eliezer, am I allowed to put a sheet over the roof? And uh, here we're, we're talking about not the halacha of is this going to make the sukkah pasul. We'll, we'll, we'll see why we're not talking about that. But rather the problem of, do, of constructing building on Yom Tov, which generally you're not allowed to build. Is this considered an act of building by putting the sheet uh, over, over, uh, over them? To uh, for shade or not? We see a pattern already. Every time the Beliezer gives an answer, there's always some some uh, angle, some witty remark. And here he avoids the, que the, the question altogether. He changes the subject, right, and doesn't say anything about sheets and uh, building. Instead, he says, "Isn't it interesting that every single tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel?" Um, had a, a shofet, a judge that, that arose from it during the time of the shoftim, right? And so, well, you can go through it. Um, it's actually hard to find uh, shoftim from each and every one, but it seems that that was his whole point. He wanted to raise this exercise. Hey, can we find uh, someone, a, a shofet from every single uh, tribe? And uh, especially because not easy to do, they'd have to work hard to figure this out. So he's totally changing the subject and the student does not fall for it. Because now the sun was kept continue rising 
and it got, uh, it, it's, it's uh, reaching into um, right over the sukkah. And so it's really getting hot. The student interrupts that discussion about the Shabbatim and he says, Please tell me, am I allowed to cover the sukkah with a sheet? Oh, think about this other interesting thing that every single tribe in Israel had some prophets that came from, from, from them. This also doesn't, we, we don't have all of them, but maybe there were many prophets that uh, we don't know about. For sure there were. And also, regarding kings, it's the tribes of, of Judah and Binyamin. They're the ones that the kings came from, uh, right? Shaul and, and then the line of David. Um, okay, so he's changing the subject again, talking about other things, Shabbatim. So why is he changing the subject? Finally, the sun got so strong, it was already on Rabbi, um, on, on Rabbi Eliezer's legs. And it was very uncomfortable. And so uh, the, the, the Biochanan, who's the host, doesn't want him to be uncomfortable. Natal Yochanan Sadin Uferas Aleha. He goes and grabs a sheet and puts it over the sukkah for so they'd be comfortable. He couldn't wait for the answer. The Bielias wasn't giving an answer, so he just acted. What's the Bielias's response? If she took his cloak, right, threw it behind him, and left the sukkah. Um, you know, like he uh, he kind of closed his coat and 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 walked out in protest. Um, and now we're explaining the the story that it's not because he was uh, he, he was um, uh, it's not because he doesn't necessarily disagreed. Um, he wasn't avoiding answer uh, avoiding answering by diverting his attention with words, but rather because. He never said anything that he didn't hear from his teacher. That's the Be'eliezer. So he couldn't answer yes or no to the question because um, he never heard a formulation from his teacher that this particular case is permitted or not permitted. So he couldn't give an answer. And so that's why he kept diverting the, the, diverting the, uh, the, uh, the story uh, to a different subject and not answer. Um, okay, so really interesting story. And now we're going to ask a couple of questions on the story. How did Be'eliezer do this? Be'eliezer says, you can't leave a sukkah and go to another one. So how was he allowed, even if he's annoyed that, that, about this halakha, and you know, he didn't want the sheet to be put up, he now is, now is you know, by doing one thing, he's now violating another halakha. He's not allowed to leave the sukkah. Otherwise, it'll all be null and void. The answer is, we assume this whole time we're talking about Sukkot, but it wasn't Sukkot. They happened to be sitting in a hut because maybe it was Pesach or Shavuot and it was nice out. So they were sitting outside in this hut, but it got too hot. And so he put, the, he put it up. Okay, so that would explain uh, that. They, that they, it would also explain why, what do you mean? How could you put a sheet in the Sukkah? Wouldn't it nullify the Sukkah and make it Pasul? So the answer is, there was, there wasn't Sukkot. Okay, so that makes sense. Hold on. How could he go and visit his student and sleep there overnight on the holiday? He's the one that said, you should be lazy. Stay home with your family on all, on, on all the holidays. And the answer is Shabbat Havai. No, it wasn't a holiday at all. It was Shabbat. It was a Shabbat when it was nice weather out and they happened to be sitting in a, in a hut. And uh, that's when the story happens. So uh, that's why it didn't, you didn't have to worry about putting up the, the sheet 
regarding the, um, ruining the sukkah or staying overnight. You're allowed to stay overnight. And for someone on Shabbat, that's different from the, from the holiday. Okay, so now, now the, uh, the details of the story make sense. One last question on the story. How come Rabbi Eliezer says, I have no source for this? He actually could have learned the source from another opinion that we know that he said elsewhere. As we learned in the Mishnah regarding Shabbat, if you have um, a, a, a hole in your in your uh, a window in your in your um, uh, home, right? It's empty, and you want to close it up. So, if is that considered building? If you take a piece of wood and put it into the window, so the answer is if it's attached then it's fine because being attached means it's part of the house, it's part of the wall and you're just opening or closing it. But if it's not attached, you just go get a piece of wood and you put it in, then that's considered building and therefore it's not allowed. And so you see that if we apply that to this case, right, just like you can't take, uh, take a piece of wood and make it a window because you're building, so too you can't get a sheet and put it up on top of you because that will be building uh, a tent, right? Even if it's temporary, just like this piece of wood, you might take out uh, uh, later on. Um, but and and the sheet also, you're not going to leave there forever. Nevertheless, it's considered building. So how come Rabbi Eliezer was quiet, changed the subject, walked out? He should have just answered, "No, it's not allowed." And I do have a source. I did learn this from my teachers. Chachamim over there, by the way, they say no, it's temporary. Uh, this is not considered building. You're not going to leave it in there forever. And so therefore, it's, it's permitted to do this. By the way, you see, the Be'eliezer, if, 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 assuming that the cases are par- parallel, the Be'ochanan was following Chachamim. That's uh, something that's a temporary building is not considered building. So the final answer, the Be'eliezer did not make the analogy from that Mishnah because in that Mishnah, when you take a piece of wood and put it in, in the window, you nullify it. You forget about it. I'm not going to use that wood anymore as a cutting board or something else. I'm putting it in there, and now I'm considering it part of the wall, and therefore it is building, even if I might change my mind later. Right now it's in there. But here, in the case of the, of the sheet, um, they love tell. I didn't negate, I didn't nullify that sheet and say, oh, now it's building material. I'm going to leave it up. It's still a sheet. I'm still going to use it. Uh, later on to, uh, to, to sleep in. Um, so therefore, there's no, there's no actual analogy from one to the other. And that's why since Abelia said he felt like he couldn't have a source as permitted, another and he couldn't say it's not permitted because he didn't have a source for it. So that's why he was quiet and, um, and changed the subject and walked out. But that, that, was, uh, that was his opinion. And so to sum up, right, we saw Abelia says four different uh, opinions regarding sukkah that you have to have two meals a day in the same sukkah, all seven. And it has to be one that you own and you stay there with your family. And the truth is, even though during the rest of the year, um, a lot of times we do go away, we don't necessarily have two meals in the sukkah. Um, and, uh, you know, we might go in, uh, uh, and uh, live at, you know, uh, stay in someone else's house for a while. Nevertheless, on Sukkot, we have to like go the extra mile and uh, treat our sukkah the, in a typical way we would use our home uh, to make sure that we are really feeling like we are staying and living in a permanent way in the temporary structure. That's when the, the symbolism and the feeling of a sukkah is felt the most. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.